A reading from John 18, 33-40. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is the truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him, but you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a bandit. There's a lot in this reading that we could focus on. I mean, we could probably spend a whole week, you know, just divvying up these lines and talking about them. There's one, there's one line though, that I want to zoom in on. It's the words of Jesus, uh, you know, right before Pilate asks, what is truth? Jesus says, for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. I was thinking about that. I, um, People who listen to the voice of Jesus, the words of Jesus, you know, we know now because of the Gospels, some of the things he taught, the Sermon on the Mount, um, you know, think of some of the phrases, you know, think about like the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That's Jesus. Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, um, the birds of the air, um, I am the good shepherd, you know, all these things that he said, you know, he's talking about, they listen to my voice. And I was just kind of thinking about that because very few people that I meet who are non-Christians have any problem with anything Jesus ever said. In other words, the teachings of Jesus really stand the test of time, even more than like the whole Old Testament or even the like the epistles in the New Testament. I hear people argue about those, like, oh, there's so much violence in the Old Testament, they have a problem with that. Or Paul discriminated against women or whatever. They have these, these issues with Old Testament and with much of the New Testament. But a lot of the things that came out of Jesus' mouth, people are like, yeah, that's good. I was sitting at my daughter's volleyball game the other day next to another parent, and she learned that I was a pastor. And she said, oh, we're not religious, but... I tell my kids, I tell my kids that everything Jesus said is something we agree with. She looked at me and she said, that's true, right? Jesus didn't say anything that, that would be offensive or something like that. And I, here's what I said to her. I said, well, he did say one thing that, that you might want to consider. He said, he's the only way to the father. He said, he's the, he's the way, the truth and the life. And that really made her consider. I haven't had a follow-up conversation with her yet, but um, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, isn't it amazing that the words of Jesus, except for that one statement that I just pointed out, <laughs> which, which can be a stumbling block for people unless they take it all in as truth, everything Jesus said is, has stood the test of time. To me, 
we shouldn't overlook that. We shouldn't dismiss that. We should, we should look at that as evidence that he really was who he said he was, that he is the God of the universe. Um, anyway, it's, uh, that's what I was thinking about with this statement. So I was in a discussion yesterday uh, and I made this comment and it really relates to what you heard and some of the superficial uh, reasons why people reject the Bible, all the uh, fighting in the Old Testament, on and on and on. Um, but really, I think the issue has to do with uh, what our culture has done uh, with scripture because they've moved it from essential to supplementary text and reading. Now, uh, anybody that's gone to school uh, understands the difference between essential. The textbook of the, of the English or history class is X. Supplemental is A, B, and C or X, Y, and Z. It really doesn't matter. And, and it's, it, you're not forced to read it. Um, this would, it, it, by reading supplemental, you would actually embed in, um, enhance your understanding of what's the, in, in the essential textbook. Well, I, I'm saying over the last several hundred years, that's exactly what has happened to the Bible. Not in every, uh, not in every church, not in every community. Uh, but the vast majority of people have moved it from essential to supplementary. They acknowledge it's there. Uh, they say Jesus is a good man, uh, but they really leave it everything at arm's length so that they have options. And I, it, it, I think it's a very important kind of metaphor, or not metaphor, but illustration of what has happened to our culture and why churches are losing congregations or closing up or whatever. Uh, if the second the Bible becomes supplement, a supplementary reading. It's not read. Just it would be in school. Only the best students will read it because, uh, because it's, not, um, it's not essential. But the whole culture of the West is based on the essential reading of the Bible, more essential than Shakespeare, more essential than Tolstoy, more essential than every great poet that you've ever read, Frost or whatever. It's the essential test. And that's my testimony because to me, it was, it was totally supplementary, meaning I never read it. I did not know it. I did not know what I was talking about when I, whenever it came up as a subject. I was ignorant. And yet, by the grace of God, I started on a regime years and years ago of reading every day using a lectionary as my guide. And then uh, I became more engaged with church and Bible studies and, and, the, and the excellent um, sermons I was hearing that were always focused on Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I think that this is a big issue. And so what is truth? I have, I have the one last thing I would say, when Pilate says what, in tr what is truth, we should be a little sympathetic because he is navigating between all these truths and you know, he's got power. He can have Jesus put to death, but look, he tries to save him, but the power of the crowd, you know, forces his hands. And so 
truth is not the issue here. It's power. And power has an aspect of truth to it because it's real, but it's not truth. Yeah, I think, Eric, um, a description of, of your journey and of what's happening in culture is, is what I would call biblical literacy. In your case, you went from biblical illiteracy to biblical literacy. But largely in the culture, we've gone in the opposite direction. And right. it's just important to remember that as ministers, as evangelists in the in the congregation, that we're when we interface with our with people in our culture, you're right, they haven't read the Bible. And so if they know anything about the Bible, it might be like, oh, violence in the Old Testament or discrimination from Paul in the New Testament. They might know that, maybe. Uh, so it's our it just kind of reframes our strategy in how we evangelize, just, you know, assume nothing, assume these people don't know the Bible. And if they do know the Bible, they only know negative things about it. And it, you know, it reinforces our call to do this very thing we're doing right now. Just getting the word out there in lots of creative ways. This podcast is one. There's a lot of other ones. We're just trying to get the word out there as much as we possibly can, because we believe that it is truth and it points to capital T truth himself, Jesus. And, and and just as important as that, uh, this is my own experience. I'm only speaking for myself, but I think I'm part of a, a great cloud of witnesses. And that is uh, coming to know the Bible. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't really matter where you start. But coming to know the Bible is totally life ch- changing. Mm-hmm. The things that have been uh, creating imbalance in one's life suddenly uh, are diminished as one comes to know the truth that the Bible reveals to us over many, many pages. And it's uh, coming to know the Bible is not a single day experience. It's a lifelong experience. And and it's really the last thing I need to say, but your encounter with the mother uh, at the sporting event uh, is, I think, the rule rather than the exception. Mm -hmm. 